You're listening to Red Nation Online. late than never. It's Tim Vickery and Steve Perry post-TFC's epic 1-0 victory over the Philadelphia Union. Danny Cooverman's winner erases the O to give Toronto the first win of the MLS season. The lads are going over the expectations heading into the match. The game at hand, and if this is merely a matter of taking out weaker opposition, or if the Reds can build from this to start punching above their weight. All in the next 30 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. So here we are, Steve, uh, live and direct from Stanley Park in uh, sunny, uh, very sunny Toronto. Uh, just got back from BMO Field, uh, Toronto FC versus uh, the Philadelphia Union, and we have the first win of the season. Points, finally. Yeah, points, three points. So, so that's us now, one and nine for the season. <laughs> All right. So straight off the top, Steve, let's hear your thoughts. Um, I was thinking there was uh, a lot of build-up in the game. There was lots of anticipation for a goal. I I think lots of people went in thinking this is where we're going to get points anyway. So I think we got a result that we kind of uh, were expecting, but it didn't come until the last three minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. So um, at some point, people just started turning off and just kind of like thinking, oh man, this is not going to happen. And then it came. So let's uh, let's start with the first half. The first half, um, Toronto came out of the gate uh, really aggressive, really attacking, very probing. Um, it almost uh, Philadelphia, uh, or for a large portion of the first half, looked like us in many ways when we've been against another opposition. They looked kind of like panicked at the back, disorganised. Yeah, they, they were they under long to... periods of pressure yeah. where they just couldn't clear the ball beyond their sort of their half. Uh, they were just trying to hoof the ball as far as long downfield. Uh, I think during the first half, we certainly did a good job of uh, maintaining the aggression. And I think you were keeping a running tally of shots on goal in the first half. But they were a tremendous number uh, from Toronto. Yeah, I, I think we actually tripled the result. Like I think, that, I think I only counted three for Philadelphia, and at least nine from us. So I, I think you know there was uh, we were certainly putting them under a lot more pressure. And what I um, enjoyed about the first half is that uh, we got to see um, how we can play in terms of moving the ball about. Um, yep. and, and in fact, I think you remarked that this is the first time you ever saw an overlapping run. Yeah, overlapping runs. And um, it happened more than once. And it was game. attractive as well. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it was kind of like almost one of those. Uh, did they just do that? You know. <laughs> So we know that they can play. Um, the evidence is finally out that we know that they can play. One of the interesting, I th- one of the interesting things that I noted from the first half was certainly the um, the commitment as well. They were very, very committed and very, very organised. Um, and I think that this is a, a large, a large degree coming from the structure that appears to be sort of existing through the middle of the team at the moment. The spine. If the you spine. Will. Yep. 
with um, the Guzman sitting like far back and connecting the defence with the midfield and freeing up Frings to sort of move into attacking positions, many of the attacks in the first half were coming through Frings with his creativity. And I noticed all the time, as soon as he gets the ball, the first thing he does is start looking around. Mm-hmm. He's very spatially aware of where everyone else is and he's choosing his passes very carefully. Yeah, well, you got and, let the ball do the work, right? Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was a very uh, I thought it was an attractive, a disappointing first half to some uh, uh, to a to a certain degree, uh, because we had so many chances in front yeah. of goal and I, and not half chances, like solid chances. But that's I think that's that's where I'd only say that it was disappointing. I think um, it was great to see them actually work the ball around and they were doing it a lot of it. So So did you get the sense during the first half, Steve, that we were going to win this game? At the 20th minute mark, I noticed that everyone was cheering. There wasn't um, we weren't going forward anywhere. Uh, there wasn't anything to cheer about. You could it just felt like it felt like anticipation. It felt like people were waiting for the goal to come. It was around the 15th or 20th minute mark, and uh, I just looked around and everybody was cheering in all the different sections. And I just, I just, you can tell people were trying to motivate them to score because we'd already seen three or four chance, good chances from them already. Yeah, so, I, um, so, I definitely so. felt that um, there was a uh, a real sense in the crowd that um, they were they were in for they were in for the points for day. Yeah. Uh, and and um, again, just because of the way that the team was moving forward, um, really pushing um, up the field and really penning in. Uh, Philly in their their own half. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, there was a, a series of about four or five waves where we would move the ball up the field all the way, have an attack on goal. It would get cleared straight back to Kosic. Kosic would feed the ball straight back, and it would mm-hmm. come back. It was almost like a loop. Yeah. It was just attack after attack on goal. Yeah, and, that's um, what it felt like waves and waves. And I think it was probably to a large degree um, our finishing, uh, not necessarily uh, Philly's. Um, Defense that saved them in the first half. Um, yeah, I have to agree with that. Yeah, there was one particular play, um, um, and we can get into this in a little bit more detail, um, certainly. But there was one particular play uh, that stands out in my mind. Um, the ball had come up, uh, Frings had um, opened up the defense and sort of worked his way through on the right hand side of the goal. He was running in and laid the ball up for Plader. Plader just had to put his left foot out. Platter sort of fumbled and like bundled onto the ball and it all got a bit messy and uh, nothing came of it. But there were a, a series of about four to five of those chances where it was in that last pass or that last mo- moment where, um, and you noted it appeared that many of our shots appeared more like passes. Um, they were expecting someone else to be on the end of the ball uh-huh. uh, to finish it. Um, yeah. There wasn't that kind of like killer spirit, like this is it, I'm on goal now's the time to close the door yeah for sure uh, and uh so i, I mean there, i wouldn't say that I, I mean i wouldn't characterize it as um that we didn't shoot because we did shoot but um at least half of them were passes intercepted you know so they were meant to be crosses that were to be finished by somebody else uh and you know philly just cut out the play so so he was pulled out the game in the second half but let's just dwell for a moment on this- uh yale platter Oh yeah, sure. um, because um, Yael Plata was instrumental in many of the attacks that we had and many of the probing runs that we had in the first half. Just really want to get your thought on really um, where. Uh, I can what, let the stats speak for themselves. Yeah, because, sure. Because uh, far I mean, away. The one thing I was thinking, well, the one thing I noted was that he actually didn't get a shot on net tonight. Whereas uh, last uh, on Wednesday's game, he had four on net. So. Um, I think the difference was. I, I mean, you saw lots of movement from him. You saw lots of play from him, but. Um, one of the things that I um, that bothers me about 
um, Plata is that he go, he goes to ground too easily, and uh, he's not going to get the calls that way. It's suspicious because you know it happens to him every time when he's uh, working the ball down the field. So you saw lots of movement from him, and he would move the ball, but he would never be able to get rid of it, make a play, and it would just turn over because he would he would try to draw the foul. And certainly uh, one thing that um, we've noted this on a couple of occasions is his actual, um, his ball control at speed is pretty decent when he's running with the ball. The moment that he has to sort of change gear, slow down and like compose, it all kind of gets a little bit muddled. Uh, His legs are moving faster than uh, the ball or the ball is moving too quick for him or something. There's that transition between making the play and closing the play seems to be a bit of a challenge. And, and there's two things I'm thinking. It's either that he's uh, maybe, and, and they, they could be you know simultaneous factors, but one of the things is, you know, we've noted that he might be selfish. He's not very good with passing. He doesn't want to pass. The other thing I was thinking is that because of his speed, I think a lot of the other players on our team can't keep up with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he winds, uh, winds up getting himself sort of trapped but isolated. Yeah, and uh, he's got no one to back him up, and no one's keeping up with him. So, uh, you know, sometimes he's too fast for his own good. Uh, other times, he just doesn't make the pass when he should be because he wants to take on the next challenge, right? So, uh, all in all, how would you sum up the first half of tonight, then, Steve? Well, it was an exciting. It was, I mean, it was exciting to watch. Yeah, frustrating. I'd agree. Frustrating for the result, right? Uh-huh. Uh, because it just wasn't coming. So, but you know, it didn't lead us to uh, being. Upset or pissed off, right? I think, I think um, I would it characterize. Was, it, was exci- it was exciting to watch. I, I was that's... kind of. I would characterize the first half as really kind of like the way the s- the second half of the final against Vancouver midweek ended. Mm. Very yeah. organized. Yeah. Uh, gutsy, pushing, probing, attacking. So maybe it was just momentum from one. Yeah. So they kind of like they f- they started where they finished off. Um, as we moved into the second half, there was a series of changes. Um, there was one that occurred immediately after the break. Um, and that was uh, for Reggie Lamb was yeah. pulled off, and uh, Richard Eckersley came on to replace him. Uh, now that um, to me seemed to um, be a, a, a bit of a, a strange decision, more than anything, just because Reggie has been instrumental in uh, so many of our goals this season, and has um, has really been <laughs> like any goal that we have scored is <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a strange choice, but you could certainly understand why that they would want to get Richard on the field. With uh, he seems to bring on a lot of um, aggression and energy, um, and, and he works the ball down the flank. Exactly, which, which seems to be where some of, a lot of our attacks came from on Wednesday night. And soon after that, we had another change um, where um, Yao Plata uh, was removed and uh, Danny Kovermans came on. And I think there was an, one other change. Sulzmar came in. Sulzmar yeah. came on for... Uh, I think Silva. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. we had um, the, the most exciting play that we saw um, on uh, Wednesday um, during the, uh, the, the final of the, the Cup. Uh, was the connection between Eckersley and Salzmar on that wing. Um, and we certainly saw some exciting runs in the final stages of the second half, where Salzmar was creating some uh, energy and disrupting the ebb and flow of the game on the wing. But he played the opposite side of yeah, Eckersley, so they that, switched that connection him. couldn't be yeah. made, right? But um, Eckersley as well did a very good job at the back, um, and certainly... Um, I would certainly say you've got to tip your hat to the back line by and large. I think um, um, Hall looked like he was getting in a little bit of, uh, uh, of trouble. Uh, Henry uh, did pretty think, well. Uh, Morgan did pretty well. Um, Eckersley, when he came on, um, was, I think, his usual sort of predictable self. Well, I think, I think Hall was a bit exhausted. I think maybe he doesn't have his fitness. 
Uh, and so you notice that the last 20 minutes of the game, he was sort of um, struggling to keep up with the play at times. Um, I noticed that Henry had an exceptional game on defense in terms of like intercepting and breaking up plays. Um, Adrian was pretty solid. Like I, I you noticed that he seemed to do what a center midfielder or center defenseman should do, which is just clear out the middle. Mm-hmm. And he did it time and time again, clearing lots of things off the line, or not off the line, but off the back, off the back line. And um, but I think Henry sort of shone a lot more. Um, and yeah, that's and, why I think you can tip your hat to the back line because this is the first time it was up until the, I think until the last ten minutes. And then I noticed that. Kosic all of a sudden became a superstar, yeah. which signaled to me that if he's getting more action, the back line is certainly tired. Now. Well, certainly, I think one but thing... But they were put under a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. and especially in the second half. One thing you can say about the back line is that they kept their shape and they kept organized, and they may have run out of steam towards the end. However, they did the job that they're kind of like uh, paid to do, which was keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Kosic and the, the sort of back, and with uh, the Guzman floating in and out of that position as well. So I think... Uh, this is probably the first time this season in the league that we can sort of turn around and say that they've done their job. Yeah, the defence were good. Yeah, so they did pretty well. Um, uh, if we look at uh, the change bringing on Danny Kovermans, I know there's been a lot of discussion about Danny. Um, he didn't feature midweek um, against Vancouver. Uh, Vinter said that that was just a tactical decision that needed to be made in a fluid situation. He was going to be brought on to replace Avia. And then uh, then de Guzman got red carded and they needed to change the tactics to sort of strengthen, to keep things tight at the back. So he had his shirt on and ready to come on and then suddenly... They brought in Ackersley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was some discussion of whether he was like falling out of favour. However, um, he, he appears to be back in the good books and back in the good books in a an extreme way. So um, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't sort of necessarily... Uh, uh, beautiful football, but uh, it took a long time to come. Danny Kuvermans uh, <laughs> scored the match winner, uh, the first win uh, uh, in the league this season, one um, nil. Um, but I'd have to say it came after sort of being out of sorts. Um, you know, he was in a in a position where he should have been receiving the ball a lot more, and. I think he was just being outpaced by their defense, and he was... Uh, I would say that, because I had commented commented to you just yes. briefly before yes. uh, the goal scored, as is the way it always works, yeah. that he kind of looked like he'd come on and he was really existing as a periphery sort of player. He wasn't really engaged in any of the plays. Yeah, I think he right. had only kicked the ball maybe like two or three times so, in between coming on and scoring the goal. That, and that's what I want to capture here, because I think that... Um, you know, the goal uh, overshadows how kind of out of it he was. You know, because because he became the star all of a sudden in the last three minutes. I, I don't think that's reflective of how he played. Um, well... But we're just happy he scored. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> From, for... Uh, I'm not going to forgive him, I think. And I think it's something... Uh, is there anything to forgive? I think that, I think there's... No, but I think that, you know, we got to pay attention to this. Is, uh, is Danny... Not interested in playing for this team anymore. Is he still injured? Is it his fitness? He what, did what look. Is, he did. He, you got to figure out what's going he on. He only came. On, what he came on in the last like fifteen minutes. It just it raises a lot more questions than answers. I think is what I'm saying. Well, maybe this goal is going to let him buy back into the whole thing as well. It might. You know. Um, it might buy everyone. So I mean, if you look in the sh- like outside of the league, if you look at the performance of the team over the recent weeks, um, we've had um, a draw, win, draw, win win so we've had a draw against Montreal a win against Montreal a draw against Vancouver a win against Vancouver and then a win today against Philly 
So in terms of like recent momentum in all games, in all competitions, like things, although it, like in individual instances, um, when you examine the team, you could say that they're shite. Uh, but if you look at like the recent form, they seem to have they seem to have found their gears. They went on the road sure. to Montreal and played a very dull defensive bubble game. Um, they came back and they managed to like eke out uh, the necessary. Uh, then they went on the road to Vancouver and looked like they had the points in the bag. Mm. Um, and then were sort of you know uh, destiny or whatever you want to call it interrupted the <laughs> the, the procession and, and sent it on a different direction. Uh, a midweek against Vancouver in the final, um, they played, and I, you know, you can't fault the game that they played in midweek. You know, it was it was the game that they had to play, and they played it very very well. And then coming uh, to a team um, uh, like Philly, who are weak uh, within the league, weak on results, weak on the road, and um, they played uh, and certainly a very aggressive game, and a game that um, if you look at that as a whole or the sum. And I think uh, this team is probably has turned the corner on its low point. Now, is, uh, is if you if that's measured against playing opposition like Vancouver, Montreal, and Philly? Yes, that's what I was going to so say. So this has to. That, I know I'm not. I'm not getting overexcited here, but what I'm saying yeah. is within that reality, certainly within the team itself, and certainly within the management and the ownership, there's probably a lot of optimism right now. Yeah, and there's probably and there's you could feel it in the crowd tonight. And that might translate into playing better against other teams. I mean, they've got a tougher schedule coming up. Yeah, sure. So we're going right, into a break so now, aren't we? Yeah. We're going to be playing like the top of the league. We're going to be switching, right? Um, and maybe we play better against a better opposition. Well, I think probably going into those games, um, if they had lost today's game against Philly, um, then we they not, would... We might not have seen Aaron Venter again. Yeah. Well, I don't, think that, I don't think it would ever be that extreme. Um, but I think probably from the team... And um, just as a side note, I met Ryan Johnson uh, earlier today. Um, I had a chance to sort of uh, meet him at, uh, at an event. And um, he... Um, <coughs> I just congratulated him on the win during the week. And I was just like saying, you know really hope everything goes well today and he was saying that there's a really really positive feeling amongst the team at the moment oh. that the, t- the corner has been turned so. it's not like uh, there's not there isn't this and they really are taking it one game at a time every game is the most important game uh, and um, I have to say uh, outside of all that he's a really nice guy very nice guy yeah. and he's uh it was uh, it was fun to meet him and he was very down to earth and he didn't come across as like sort of trying to bullshit anyone or anything like that or he's, he was like he's, he's the one guy I want to see succeed actually yeah I, I mean he's getting he's getting balls through and he does a lot of work I'd like to see him get some more results in terms of points and I think um, I, I feel that it's only a matter of time for him yeah um, and if I'm looking at the how many shots he took he had le- he had at least four on that tonight but he also did a lot of uh, setups, so I think that he did a lot. He did a huge lion's share of the forward. <laughs> he's line. a big, strong guy. A lot, was, of st- I mean, lot of stamina. It's not just Thorsten Frings that was doing a lot of work there. Um, so, are you, are you saying that it was a team effort tonight? I do, and I wanted to say that um, I think with Danny Coverman's goal, I think you know he owes a lot of that to Sulzma because Sulzma uh, fell down, got up, he had the ball, he was taken down, he he, he continued to run, and then somehow beat another player and was able to get the ball to Danny 
and I think Danny just changed the direction of it. I think uh-huh. really that was all Sulzma. That uh-huh. goal, and as much as it pains me to give him credit, I think. Well, it, the first thing was, Danny did after the second effort, by after the celebration, uh, the, after the celebration died down, the first thing Danny did was go over and give uh, Sulzma like a hug and a, yeah. a pat on the back and, a, and a thanks. I guess he certainly deserved it. Oh, that's how I mean. It's his job, really. It's a playmaker. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Danny Kuberman's job is a finisher. Yeah. Yeah, so. so, Steve, this is it. This is the, the first win of the season for Toronto FC. Uh, ten games in in the season. Um, can we uh, sort of... Is this you know, as good as it gets? No, I'm not trying to be uh, sarcastic or anything like I'm, that. But realistically... I'm not the, trying to be sarcastic. No, no, I'm, but it, it does... Realistically, does Toronto FC's season start today? What we've gone through is a painful cycle of experimentation with the lineup, positioning, uh, some, obviously some... Um, some injuries along the way have really, really thrown a spanner in the works. Uh, but um, since they had this player meeting and uh, the closed door player meeting with the coach and the coaching changes that we've seen on the bench, um, can we say that really the team as it's playing now, everyone's in a natural position um, and it's naturally a better fit in terms of a system or a, a setup? Um, and can we can we can we look forward to brighter days ahead, or is it is this still a gong show? I think uh, I mean your um, what you found out about with, uh, with Ryan Johnson seems to confirm that maybe psychologically um, their heads in the game now. I think uh, as to where their skill level, we'll find out. Um, your I think your assumption about their positioning. Uh, maybe in reference to uh, the Guzman playing back and Frings playing forward. Mm-hmm. And I think, yes, I think I would answer yes to that question, at least with regards to them. Um, probably all of them, I think. I, I, I just I, I can't, we, I just don't know who, where these goals are going to come from. That's, I think um, we've come back to the struggle. Boa Morte. So uh, we know that Boa Morte is kind of uh, in, the, yeah, in, the, in the eyes of the club. Uh, um, it comes from uh, played for one of my 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 my, my t- one of the teams I follow, West Ham. Um, I've seen him play a number of times, and um, certainly is an exciting prospect to bring in the mix uh, where he will fit within it all. Um, is it kind of uh, if that comes to fruition, then I think you know maybe we'll have everything sorted. But it's hard to say, and you can't rely on your goals coming from one player. Now, this is an expensive team as well. In the big picture, in the MLS picture, um, Toronto FC aren't uh, a minnow in payroll, mm. and um, we know that they they cost a lot of money in comparison to other team players in, and teams in the league. Yeah, it just um, on paper, result, on on paper, we should be kind of um, up near the top. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, there's another team uh, in the league, uh, LA, which is the highest highest payroll. Um, are also suffering in their own division as well at the bottom. So, yeah. but we know that money doesn't translate into wins. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, that, in the MLS, it all has to comes down to organisation. Yeah, it is all down to organisation because much of what you've got to do, you don't have the luxury of just writing checks, and everything has to exist within the framework of the the player cap. And it's really about finding like sort of uh, rough diamonds and polishing them and. Uh, um, um, bringing out the best in players and, and certainly playing them in their their right position and chemistry between the players. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into making a good team, but it's certainly the the answer totally isn't in just money. So this has been a uh, an interesting week for Toronto FC. They raised the uh, the Voyagers Cup. 
um, and were crowned uh, champions, Canadian champions. Uh, they're in back into the, the CONCACAF and some of the guys that I uh, I speak to throughout the week have kind of like sort of said, you know, the league is a write-off. There's no there's no way back, no way back at all. Um, as an organisation, they're just uh, going to be concentrating on the CONCACAF and really making progress in that. Uh, the league is going to become like, it's certainly not going to be a write-off, but it's not going to be their... their their focus. This is all speculation. Would you agree with that? Do you no, think that they? I, I don't agree with it. I think uh, I, I don't think. I think if your head's in the game, you're going to play every game, and uh, I think that I don't think they're going to write off the league. How can you go into a game and not want to play uh, as a professional? No, I mean no, I don't you mean just... on a on a on a game day level, but as an organization, like it's like we're not going to win the league. So no, I, I, I... Our, our main focus has to be on progression through the Concacaf. Um, I think um, I, I think that yeah sure I, I you know no one's no one's going to delude themselves to think that they're going to do any any do anything in this league right at this point because nine games down you're already a third of the season in how are you going to catch anybody yeah right that's of course but you know um, I still think that they're going to come out and play I just think that um, um, I think they're going to play every game that's the thing. Um. So there was a, a couple of interesting things that happened tonight um, that um, we should probably mention. Uh, one of the things is that Sparky wasn't at the game. He's off in Montreal joining the students for their, uh, their anarchic protests. And um, my son came to the game. So what we can work from out from that is Sparky is a bad luck charm for the game and my son is a good luck charm so you may never hear Sparky's voice again on this podcast he's going to be banned from attending any other games uh, it seems like his, uh, his um, presence at the games has uh, brought a dark cloud over the entire organisation so, Fortress PMO so thank you Sparky for all your contribution but um, you're no longer welcome <laughs> um, but if we look forward to... I wanted um, to say one other thing. Oh, yeah, go on, please. The, uh, the second thing we noted is that um, on Wednesday's game, the ticket seemed to reflect uh, or foreshadow what would happen in the game where Julian de Guzman was uh, struggling with a Montreal player, or uh, with a Vancouver player, yes. and wound up getting in a fight. And um, today's ticket was Yao Plata giving a thumbs up in celebration. So we can actually put the rest to that the ticket does not have anything to do with foreshadowing the game, because uh, oh, does it though? Yeah, yeah. Plata didn't really have much to do with uh, today's win. Um, well, no, not necessarily, because yeah. when he was substituted, <laughs> okay, his absence, his absence. So we could work out that who, if the player, I think we're grasping at straws. If there. the player on the ticket isn't involved in the game, then we win. Maybe we could say that. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what the key is here. That's what the code, <laughs> the Da Vinci code. We figured the, the tickets for the Da Vinci. But Divinci all in all, um, all in all, um, after watching this game, it was a, it was, I mean, it was more than anything. It was like having a, a glass of water after a long march through the the, the dry and dusty desert. <laughs> it was very very welcome the win. Um, um, however, um, the 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 pain and suffering of the previous nine attempts uh, certainly can't be forgotten. I don't believe for a moment that we've, uh, as an organisation, turned the corner. Um, motivationally, the team may be feeling great after a couple of wins in the week and uh, over the course of a week. Um, but really, I think from my perspective, I'm looking for to the organisation to strengthen, to bring in some additional uh, players of quality and to really sort of keep the pressure uh, on maintaining clean sheets and scoring goals and those players that are in positions 
uh, are expected to stand up to their obligation. Um, attacking players have to score goals. We can't go through these droughts of like sort of no one scoring. It's going to be very very difficult to make progress in any competition with uh, that kind of uh, mentality. Well, I have to show your caution for optimism. Um, I don't want to be celebrating just yet, and I do think that um, we expose against a weak team how we have we still struggle to finish, and it sounds like TFC has also recognized that with uh, or MLSC has recognized that with trying to with the trialists that they're bringing in. So I think they're trying to fill that gap. Um, so you're right. Maybe we have something to look forward to, but. Um, Maybe this is as good as it gets. Maybe this is, you know, it's one of those things like a win. This win was wonderful and it was great. It was a lovely warm day, nice and sunny. Um, there was a, a much more of a buoyant atmosphere at the stadium today. Um, everyone seemed to be there to enjoy themselves and the team uh, delivered, uh, albeit <laughs> late in the day. <laughs> but a win is a win. It doesn't matter whether it's pretty, ugly or, um, or, or some other sort of form of winning. Um, but... Um, Yep, we have. Uh, I think there is a break coming up, and then we have some very, very uh, tough games to come. Tough opposition on the road, uh, and uh, the, really, I think what it comes down to is the proof is in the pudding. Um, if this team can st um, stay together, stay focused, and maintain defensively, uh, uh, um, and not allowing the opposition to score and capitalising on opportunities, as you noted, Steve, we had lots of opportunities against a weak opposition. Opportunities are going to be even scarcer against a good opposition. Good opposition, yeah. Yeah, um, so that those opportunities can't be squandered. If it's as simple as sticking out your left foot and putting the ball in the back of the net, that's really what has to happen. Yeah, platter. <laughs> so anyway, this is our first outdoor podcast. Yeah. First outdoor podcast. We hope it sounds great. And as always, we like to hear from you. Um, so if you do have any feedback, you can have it. Uh, send it to info at uh, rednationonline.ca. Or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Um, so live and direct from Stanley Park in Toronto. Uh, this we're is uh, yeah, we're signing off. This is Tim and thanks a lot, guys. Have a great night. Eastside Standup is the only TFC-specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. So if you're watching the game at home or even through the week, come up with something. Reach out to us on Twitter, hashtag ESSU, or at ClarkRNO, or at Red Nation Online. Email us at haveyoursay at rednationonline.ca and help direct the discussion. Get your opinion across of what happened on the pitch today.